A to Millennials, then Full Society, and welcome to an interesting new podcast. Over the course of this season, we will be talking about growing up, what it means to be a kid, what it means to be an adult, and everything in between. On today's episode, I talk with my parents with a little bit of introspective reflection as to how it's been raising two girls. If you're wanting to know any more about how to get involved, please contact me at nakamedia.co.uk. Now... Let us begin. Hello and welcome back. So I am Louise Duncan and I am joined by... Carol Duncan. And Rory Duncan. Oh, the full team. Um, and we're going to be talking about, as I will have said in the introduction already, um, covering growing up and this will be a discussion with my parents. Um, yeah, looking a little bit about your influences yourselves on parenting... Um, and and what that meant for your growing up, along with a little bit of the technology, a little bit of other parents, and just sort of see where it goes. So, yeah, obviously you guys had kids, <laughs> because here I am. Yeah, and, and it's so interesting to see how your children uh, grow and develop and turn into adults. Um, mm. And we're clearly very proud of you, oh, of um, because... You never know how it's going to go and especially since we wanted to do something different from our own childhood experience. Yeah, definitely. Um, It was so terrible (laughs) that we basically wanted it to be different for you guys. I think that's true. Well... That's not a secret. No, it's not a secret, but I think, I mean, uh, we wanted to do something different and we had to kind of... I certainly had to copy other ways of doing it because Mm. most of your parenting is acquired while you are a child so you are your ability to parent is acquired as a child as you absorb from your parents how you are parented so there's a sort of unconscious um, knowing about it you just repeat it in a way you don't really think about it However, I just didn't want to repeat what I had experienced because around when I was growing up, there was a lot of still the Victorian view Mm. of um, the child uh, should not be seen and should be not heard and to spare the rod was to spoil the child. So my experience of that, um, I felt, was not what I wanted to do. So I had to find some other way of doing it. So I looked at books I read a lot about it, so I had to kind of guess. But also, you know, I saw other parents. Mm. Um, the, the friends, uh, the parents of my friends from school. Yeah, I suppose, for me, slightly different, not generation as such, but having parents who were a lot younger yeah. than yours were when I was born, it meant, you know, they were of a different era again, which was the whole kind of flower power, 60s hippie stuff, which meant that, you know, having kids wasn't really something that, you know, was uh, conventional, you know, it was seen as like a really sort of square thing to do. Uh, But along I came, which was a bit, well, very unexpected, one shotgun wedding later, you know, so that wasn't ideal either, Mm. you know, in a situation where, you know, kids weren't really part of that scene, man. 
you know, when it was all about free love and all of that, that kind of still went on as far as I could tell. But um, it, it didn't mean for an ideal situation for bringing up kids. Mm-hmm. So that wasn't good for me. I can mm-hmm. see that now. Mm-hmm. Or for anybody at that point. Um, so I didn't want it to be like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For for these two, yeah, my my sister as well, who we'll be talking with um, in some episodes later. I think yeah, it it's a really brilliant thing, especially with some of the work that I have done with various different um, parents, you know, and and seeing also their want for um, their own children to to have sort of something better or or to have what is deemed you know good for kids. I think we have much more of an understanding. Um, not only about how children learn, but about what they learn. Um, and so it's it's really interesting. I know we've talked about it before, that our family is of four generations. Um, you yourself being of um, the boomer mum, dad being Gen X, Molly being a millennial, and me being yeah. Gen Z. We've got this huge yeah. spread of influences across right. us. Well, to work out that I'm actually the tail end of the boomer generation yeah. was a surprise to me. Um, I was expecting that I wasn't actually a hey boomer, <laughs> but that would explain why the spare the rod, spoil the child um, came from certainly my grandparents, because they were Victorian, there's no doubt about that. They were born yeah. at the tail end of the Victorian era, and those influences were really strong. And the uh, what's said in jest actually had um, some truth around it. Mm. So... What didn't I want? I didn't want the what felt like punishing, yeah. the, the, the punishment uh, uh, method of childhood where instead of um, saying what it was that you wanted the child to do, you would punish the child for the behaviour after. And it always seemed like such a surprise yeah. because I would be asked, why did you do that? <laughs> and I didn't know. I didn't know. And I would say, well, I don't know. And I'd be asked, why did you do it? Well, so... My understanding was that children don't necessarily uh, think closely about what they're doing, they mm-hmm. just do. So what I wanted to do, I wanted to change that round and I wanted to say before things would go out of hand, I would say this is what I'm expecting. We're going to visit X or person um, and I'm looking for <laughs> yeah. um, smiley faces, mm-hmm. um, polite conversation. And I would say what I was looking for. Mm. Um, and I know you and Molly would kind of go, yeah, 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 yeah. But it meant that you knew what was expected of you before you went into a situation. And I never was critical after a social situation I will say that was really good thank you for the good Mm. behavior thank you for that was really nice how you did that I really liked that and when you showed your singing and dancing or whatever it was I was proud of you and it was just a different way of doing it Um, and I feel quite emotional saying that because you never know you just don't know how it's going to go Mm. you know you just hope for the best you're trying to do something different um, and you just hope that it's right. And from what I can see, it seems, you know, the way we did it, even though it was sort of, um, you know, sellotape and um, sticking plaster mm. and, uh, you know, it was a sort of cobbled together parenthood. It actually 
um, seems to be well. It's these time. it's these practices which you you talk about, which is very much shared as good practice now, but is also as I've got a few friends that are going into teaching both primary school and high school you see it's these things of the positive reinforcement it's of the encouragement it's of the setting of expectations i think people say you know treat kids like adults and it's like well not necessarily as adults but it's treat them with respect as Mm -hmm. you know they are beings who are constantly learning and constantly absorbing yeah i suppose i because i had the almost the kind of polar opposite to carol as Mm -hmm. in uh there was nothing there was no there was no guidance at all, even bad guidance, <laughs> let alone any good guidance. So it just sort of happened. And I'm sure there's nothing that I ever did that could possibly be worse than what they did <laughs> as individuals. Yeah, In other words, they'd done, they'd done all the things, so they couldn't really say, do this or don't do that, because yeah. they'd done it all by the time I knew what that was about. Mm. So. That was a weird thing. Having no guidance, how do you find your way? Well, you either just bundle along or, like in my case, it was my, um, it was my grandparents that showed me some kind of structure about things. And, and luckily they were, you know, they seemed to be kind of average people, as in they weren't super one way or the other. Mm. Therefore, you know, it seemed to be a bit more balanced, so structured things and certain times for things. And you do this now, and then you go and do that. And sort of normal stuff. And because I spent so much time with them, that was probably the best influence I could have, mm. rather than my actual parents. Mm. So, so that was good. And that lasted up until, gosh, I was in my late teens, early 20s. So that was quite good. But by then, of course, you know, I had sort of formed my yeah, own formed idea about the world. And then I met Carol. And I think the interesting thing you say about structure, I agreed that structure was good in terms of the sorts of reliable things that children could anticipate. And mm-hmm. they're very sort of simple things like meal times. Um, meal times at a table where we sit together and mostly we did that Mm -hmm. Um, and then for me what was important about that was obviously the timing but also you know good quality nutritious food and um, teaching the girls uh, how you girls how to cook Mm -hmm. I mean that started very early on but part of uh, apart from the practical side of it which of course I'm quite you know I'm very happy with the practical world there was the setting for conversation yeah well and and why we're here today I think you know uh there there was an importance of education alongside you know learning constantly learning and and an equal value to all skills I think that's something that we have then seen in in sort of friends of ours and parents that there's maybe more of a of a pressure to do certain types of things or or to have expectations in certain ways but I think something that as we were growing up you guys always gave value to everything that we were learning whether it was a particular practical skill or the sciences or you know a, a craft of some kind you know creative work there was value in it because you were like well you guys can do what you want but you will be supported and encouraged, um, which is again, I think, I think the brilliant way of learning. I mean, it's me. I can only be so subjective. But, but yeah. But it's a kind of a balance, I suppose, because you were, you were instrumental in a lot of the practical 
and creative things. And then well, I would, you're looking at me. Yeah, now. looking at Carol. And you. <laughs> um, whereas I was like, hmm, ah, I can teach them how to play games. Yeah. And how to fight, fighter. But with the kind of play fighting, with a lot of the things, or you know, um, it, there were kind of random things, but they were um, uh, what what I knew that I could show you, mm. I suppose. But uh, uh, you, you talk about fighter there, sort of glossing over it. I'd, I'd like to come back to that and what that means. And yeah, not the, just fisticuffs. No, no, it was a sort of rough physical play because mm. I have to say you're, what, six foot three? Uh-huh. Six foot three. Mucho grandes. <laughs> Mucho grande. Yeah. And, you know, as the girls were growing up, you were very much a, a large physical presence in their life, but also the um, mountain to which they can butt up against mm-hmm. and express themselves physically and feel uh, confident mm. in that rough physical play. When I say you weren't rough, um, they were quite rough, but they oh, were, yeah. and, and I think... I still have the bruises. <laughs> I think that was important for girls mm. in order yeah. to not feel shy about um, that strong expression. Yeah of that area of their lives so mm-hmm. that they were encouraged to, to be assertive and mm-hmm. confident and physically strong. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I think that's really important for girls. Well, equally yourself, I feel... Because um, I want to stare away from traditional because I yeah. don't feel like I at least have had a traditional upbringing but I f- or, or maybe not traditional values, but there are, there are some ideas in there that I think sort of go back in a historic way in terms... Or, or not in a historic way, sorry. So in terms of you, yourself, Mum, are very much a matriarch. Um, but, but I think, you know, in a brilliant way that you have always stood up for yourself and, and, you know, you have always saw yourself as having value and you have always, you know, which is qualities that I don't always see in my woman friends or, or friends who have had to struggle with feeling that they have value inherently. And so I think, you know, those qualities that you're talking about that dad also helped reinforce, I think you set the groundwork for in terms of, you know, as women, you are you are not taken back in any way you know you can say what you want you can do the work you want there is no limits there in ways that i think i have seen friends struggle in certain areas i'm interested Um. that you say that because um the family dynamic when i was growing up was um dad was very much the head of the household Mm. uh even though mum was quite strong she would definitely defer stubborn to um dad and then my brother was the older brother and he was seen as the genius and the clever child who was going to be either i don't know some scientist or a doctor Mm. and then there was me the bottom of the pile the female younger female youngest female and um I think I was viewed as maybe I would do nursing nursing or secretarial yeah and I did veer towards nursing a bit because all of my work has been in health and well-being and working with people and that suits me very well but I certainly could not have done secretarial but but I think even at that point the you know I think the the caring sort of work that you've done has less been because you were expected to but I think because you're a person with great 
empathy, mm-hmm. you know. So there's that kind of, you know, those skills inherently work for you in the same way that um, my flatmate has a brilliant capacity for the care work that she does. She's incredibly empathic and sort of patient and can just kind of do it. And so, yes, those expectations sort of clash in a way, but you have still, I mean, you, you know, you speak about burning bras <laughs> in the 80s. and Yeah, I mean, that was a, a, a time of strong feminist emergence and I didn't necessarily... Uh, align myself fully to that but because mm. um, I had a different uh, agenda I yeah I just had I suppose my own personal development which was important um, to to have a sense of working towards being a, a whole human being mm. and um, not just a woman but just a, a whole whole person yeah. and I think wheeling back to what you said earlier about treating, not necessarily treating children like adults, but mm. treating them like human beings. So the way we spoke with you was um, as not that speaking down, we would speak yeah. with you. Um, and, and that just became more natural. It's kind of, it emerged, you know, the way we did our parenting kind of emerged and things seemed to work and flow um certainly treating people like human beings and yeah. not necessarily specifically male roles or female mm. roles but good being people. a good person you know is part of that mm. and if i can sort of cycle back to the stuff you said about video games dad mm. because oh. um as a you know as a gamer myself it's been a big influence but i think that was something that you were both involved in was the technology that we're influenced by because you know, as we have seen, technology has been an incredibly huge part about me and Molly, my sisters, growing up compared to maybe your guys's, or at least there's been a lot more of a presence of maybe more malicious technology um, in our time. I, I know you were conscious about the decisions of what you showed us. I don't know if you want to talk a bit about that. Yeah. Well, for me, because as a boomer, I wouldn't necessarily have captured the whole information technology revolution Mm -hmm. had I not been a mature student going back to uni later and then I had to word process my um, documents Uh, I had to learn how to do that then had I not gone back at that point in my 20s towards the end of my 20s I wouldn't have um, captured all of that so that's not naturally me but I've done it Mm. Um, but I did feel that you Rory were much more the expert in that field and I did definitely um, defer to your knowledge of that when it came to working with the kids and how long they should be playing games um, mm-hmm. and your influence in um, not censoring but gatekeeping the topics and subject matter. Yeah, um, knowledge you know, that knowledge helps because then rather than being one of the, the parents that kind of lumps video games all in one basket mm. and says they're bad or which was, you know, the kind of most benign lumping them all in one basket and saying, oh, they're off playing their games. <laughs> yeah. You know, like a lot of parents, because I happen to be at that point exposed to technology much more than kids my age mm. where I was the sort of first wave of the technology aware kids at that point so none of my friends knew anything about technology didn't use anything didn't play games it wasn't until I got to college that there were a couple of others 
who mm. were a bit more aware of that and then obviously got to know some of the folk who were on the IT courses at, at uni or college. But it wasn't really until I got to, to the world of work that there were other people my age who also were able to mm. understand technology. So it was, a very, it was a very select group at that point. The demographic was very narrow. Um, but that meant that when you guys were born, that's uh, you girls, at least I knew what I was doing and I could set things up when I was using the technology and you could adopt it quite easily. Um, as opposed to the other parents in your schools who were in that stage where it was like they had no interest in what the, the kids mm -hmm. were doing the technology or their games or what they were playing, whatever. At least I could do is I knew which good games were out there that were that were age appropriate to yeah. use that word. In other words, there was the you know the Viva Pinatas and the Mario's and all of that kind of stuff, uh, and that meant that you could you could enjoy that, but there was choices made. Yes, I think the only thing I said in or the only sort of uh, influence influence that I wanted to make there it had to be creative, and no guns. Mm -hmm. I think I think it's that a bit, yeah. It's a little bit like the Lego philosophy. You know how Lego doesn't allow any current serving military vehicles yeah, to be depicted yeah. in their blocks. You can have old historical things, but not new ones. They they try to steer that line. Uh, so lightsabers and blasters from Star Wars are okay, but not for other things. Yeah, no, but also. Partly it's about the choices. There's certainly plenty of girl gamers who love the first-person shooter games uh, and they probably had access to them at a time that they shouldn't and got good at them. <laughs> yeah. But you guys exercised choice because you were, a lot of the games were, you know, making a farm or a garden or... Minecraft. Minecraft, again, yeah, was the you know, ultimate creativity sandbox stuff. So there was a certain element of choice. You probably could have you know, pushed more for first-person shooter stuff if that had been your your interest. But you weren't as interested as in the other games, which were funner and, you know, were much more allowed you to express yourself and play with others and so on. Yeah, I think there was always an emphasis on co-op and, and multiplayer as there was two of us and mm -hmm. you know we're re we're not super close in age but but we're we were of similar developmental stages at the same time so we would often be playing together there was definitely a point where molly had decided she doesn't want to do the multiplayer anymore i distinctly remember that and but i think that that was part of team building skills you know that's part of communication skills is if we've got like the lego games i think notoriously are a little bit of fun running around and some bizarrely difficult puzzles um, especially the early ones weren't tested super well. So it meant that, you know, if you've got a really hard puzzle, you've not got, you've got to engage your critical thinking, you've got to understand the environment, you've got to communicate, oh, I found this key or piece, what do you have to do? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that was then something that I have then always sought in my games is something that's a little bit challenging, a little bit engaging. Resource management, how do I, how much of this do I use, do I need? Um, I do I remember the discussions, things like, no, 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 Molly, you have to turn into the Ewok, <laughs> go through the air duct, get to the, the secret coin yeah. area or whatever. There was always those things. It, or, or Molly has just filled this house full of cats, <laughs> <laughs> which uh, wasn't necessarily what she was supposed to do, yeah. but she was just testing the game no. to see if you could. No. Yeah. Molly's building a dungeon again. That was always another one, building a dungeon in Minecraft is always Molly's thing. It, it was the point where we were playing the Lego Star Wars games. We were a bit older by that point, and she turned into the Gollum character and wouldn't change out of it, mm -hmm. but also wouldn't complete any of the tasks that 
Gollum has to do. And it was it was so infuriating. So frustrating. Well, she um, she kind of enjoyed doing that. I know. Being her way of playing. Her way of playing. But uh, I think alongside all the um, sort of IT game playing, there was also the skills building and other areas mm. like you know we would live near the sea so you would be swimming and sailing or yeah. you lived near um the mountains you would be we would be walking and Hiking. rock climbing mm-hmm. or there would we be riding. <laughs> collecting rocks or visiting roman encampments yeah. which were you were studying at school mm. so whatever you were doing at school we would do some kind of fun matching activities mm-hmm. alongside that we could yeah. do it that way other than sitting at a table and yeah. writing well and then i think of course we've always had the the theater in our lives um mm-hmm. you know me and molly have always been involved in school shows and performances because you know you guys were able to give us lifts you guys were able to make sure we had snacks you know you guys were able to support us in that kind of way that not every well even n- nuclear family has um but- but also we, you know, we encourage you to sing. It didn't stop you from singing or mm. for expressing yourself or, you know, there's a bit of sort of tolerance and patience went on. So we didn't discourage you. So maybe other kids mm. would have been discouraged from... Or, or made fun of made or fun shamed. Of. So whatever did. was coming out, we would, we would encourage you to <laughs> do that, it. There's that one video <laughs> you guys have got, which is like half an hour long of <laughs> Molly singing and me playing <laughs> the keyboard badly. Well, this, this was early days. This mm. was early days. There was some... You just keep clapping, hooping yeah. it finishes. Oh, well, yeah. I was going, hooray, hooray, that was great. And Molly's like, I'm not finished yet. <laughs> so much was Brilliant. Yeah, and that's fine. And that's yeah. kind of how she always has been mm. in many ways. Oh, and she's thriving. Well, yeah, but uh, but yeah, there were there were differences. I think you know the things that we were the things that we were not encouraged to do. We we kind of encouraged in you the mm. things that we were discouraged doing. We didn't discourage in you. Um, sort of trying for the opposite. You know, we don't ever get it completely right yeah and you know each generation makes its own mistakes but hopefully mm. yeah um hopefully you have enough skills and confidence to continue your own development yeah well, and grow as human beings you know yeah. the, the structure and the support is there i think in a way that you guys have summed up really well wasn't necessarily there for you um, in terms of places to fall back on or uh, ideas to be able to fall back on, memories of what worked, what didn't. Um, and I know it's sort of much more of a movement now of understanding the sort of generational um, traumas which are kind of passed down year after year. Um, but, you know, I think you guys actively worked to revert some of that and and clearly it has paid off because there are ways of of making kids functional adults supposedly you know um and and so i think that's brilliant i think the last kind of area i'd love to talk around would be other parents um in terms of i know there had been a couple moments where other parents had said stuff about me and molly that you instinctually knew wasn't quite right if we were over at somebody's you know or also bad practices that we saw other parents do i don't know how, how did you feel you know after you'd done that initial right this is what we want to do as you're then going along and seeing sort of other influences on us i just felt it was important not to be critical of other parents mm. 
Um, I would notice what other parents did. I mean, certainly for me growing up, seeing how my friends' parents parented yeah. actually really helped me um, to understand how it should be done. But also as a parent trying to get it right, any criticism of my own parenting mm. was not welcome. And I always felt any criticism was through a tiny little mm-hmm. prism. Um, they couldn't really see the whole picture. So I would see other parents doing stuff I didn't really like. Um, and if it was around you, you just wouldn't go to their house. That yeah. It was as simple as that. I wouldn't say anything, you just wouldn't go. Mm. Um, so I, I think mostly where we were with the schools that we were involved with, mostly the parents were all right. Yeah. Um, and I figured you had enough good, solid grounding that you would survive perhaps yeah. a difficult encounter at another family. Um. Yeah, I, I mean, I suppose because... Both, both Carol and I were very aware of, of what bad parenting is mm. through our experiences. We, we could see it much more in others, but um, didn't want to maintain the cycle of criticism <laughs> yeah, and so yeah. on. So it was, it's difficult to see bad parenting because you were like, oh God, that, I remember that happening to me or whatever, mm. but not sort of jumping in saying stop. Yeah, I think... So what that made us do, it meant that we had your friends over to us. Yeah. So we were the ones being the hosts mm-hmm. and creating a space where you could all be. If we, if you were with us, we knew you were safe. And if your mm-hmm. friends were welcome, um, I think there was a certain amount of that not being usual. Mostly people came to us mm-hmm. um, more often than you guys went to them, only because we would put up with all the... Um, all the play that mm-hmm. went on or, or yeah, tolerate it or encourage it even. All the craziness. Yeah, no, it, it would be a bit like that. But that was fun, you know. You, you were all having a good time and some of the kids were like, wow, we can do this, yeah. yeah. You know, all the stuff, the Halloween stuff, introducing mm-hmm. it to the kids in France with the with the grapes as eyeballs and the hair as the, the, yeah, the spaghetti. One girl... Oh, is it true? Oh, is it yeah, real? you having to take her aside and be like, no, it's not no, real. No, it's not actually real. So, so doing that kind of thing, uh, yeah, making it fun, that was always wholesome, the same. It, it had to be fun in a wholesome way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think even, because you, you know, you mentioned France, which uh, I'll bring up a couple of times across the series because it was influential for me. Even without language or with a language barrier, we all as humans can still determine when there is malicious intent, you know, when a joke isn't funny anymore, I think without language that is still easy enough to detect. I mean, kids are so good at picking up on, you know, facial features and intentions and energy that people bring into a room. Um, And so sort of in that, I think you guys could always know, even if there were language problems, whether, you know, the playing that we were doing was malicious or whether it was just fun and games. Because I know we've had we've had German family friends and we've had Italian and Spanish family friends. And so, you know, sometimes not all of us had all of the language, but we were still sort of able to play and connect and be involved there. That's right. Uh, It's true. You sort of give people the benefit of the doubt. I'm thinking of one family in particular who who lived very close to us. Mm. um, And we quickly worked out that there were some issues going on with them. Mm -hmm. um, And we had less to do with them it was just like that yeah. 
Which um, is tricky because they were literally right next door. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah it, but it, to protect you guys, we mm, just had less to do with it, them. And, yeah, that's right. You know, and then they moved away. So that one, that was that that's one right. sorted. Yeah. Um, so mm-hmm. anyway, the last bit I'd like to talk about, if that's all right, would be a little bit of now that we are becoming adults and and you know clearly doing some introspective. Uh, sort of rethinking how how do you sort of feel does it feel sort of terribly different now or are you able to be like yes we did a good job are there still you know bits you're working at well always working I have to say personally it's a you never stop you never stop being a parent Mm. yeah Um, never stop being a parent but it's more with a step back instead of physically right physically contact uh, comforting and Mm. Um, negotiating the world for your child for every single aspect friendship, school, you know, um, physical activities mm. or schoolwork or learning, you know, practical learning as a child. You're not the um, conduit for all of that. You're more stepped back and it's a, it's a point of reference really now. Um, and when things are difficult, exceptionally difficult, I would say about a year ago, mm. you had a really difficult time and we've practically and physically had to step in and help them. But it's to know when to do that um, and to offer, I think, a listening ear and a presence um, that perhaps goes on forever. But I would never be in a smug position to say... Job done. <laughs> yeah. Uh, job done. You just hope for the best. I think I've said that at the beginning. Mm. You just hope for the best. Yeah. It's like the, the painting of the Sistine Chapel. You know, it's sort of, it's a work of art that kind of goes on forever. And it's never quite completed, but it still looks pretty good along mm. the way. Or, or the fourth rail bridge, oh, well, no, <laughs> painted well, that, forever. Well, that's not very, it's not very attractive. It's a bit ugly and grey. That wasn't really how we saw it. I saw something a bit more colourful. But it's colorful. an ex- mm. extraordinary feat of um, engineering. engineering. Yes. So, well, you know, yeah, and, and does an important job every day. It does an yeah, important yeah, job yeah, every yeah. day. This, so, is, this is true. You know, anyway, but I think you're still young adults. That's yeah. the point. Mm-hmm. As a you are still coming into your adulthood. There's no doubt about that, both of you. Molly is closer to having an adult Mm. brain because apparently you have a teenage brain until you're 25. I know. So that was my one particular point I was waiting for you both to cross that 25-year-old threshold Mm. um, and to see... What happened from then on? Because obviously, <laughs> what happens I've after? No idea. I've no idea. Have no idea. Proper discussion. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> call right. me back That's in. Like a real serious discussion. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the the little <laughs> dot in my palm starts flashing. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Exactly. Well, thank you very much for talking with me today. My pleasure. Um, and I know I'll be catching you guys later. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks, thanks for bye. coming. As always, thank you very much for listening. We've got a couple other podcasts on our website, so do check them out. And if you ever have any questions, contact us at contact at nakamedia.co.uk.